Thursday's Nintendo Direct was packed with new game announcements. Star Wars Battlefront headlines this week's new releases, and we break down Fallout 4 and Call of Duty Black Ops 3 as games we're both playing through. Today is Monday, November 16th. This is the 1P vs. 2P podcast. I'm Taylor Ray. With me, as always, is my brother, Ryan Ray. Let's get started with... First Attack! Our top stories from this past week. This is the post-Awada era for Nintendo, but they're continuing with their normal press conferences, known as Nintendo Direct to you and me. This one from this past Thursday had a ton of announcements, but noticeably did not include any new NX news, their next console that they've already announced. But let's start with uh, one of their brand new games that they've just announced there. Twilight Princess HD and a Wolf Link amiibo packaged together as a new Wii U release. Ryan, did you play this game before and are you excited for this new re-release? I did not. You know, Twilight Princess originally came out as a Wii launch title. It also had a older version of the game on the GameCube. Uh, which featured a link that had held the sword in his different hand. And, uh, you know, the game was very pretty, but I did not play this game. I know a lot of people were excited for it. It seemed to be the general consensus on Twilight Princess seems to be that it was a very disappointing Zelda game. This is one of those Zelda games I really skipped out on. It was this and Skyward Sword. So I'm excited to play this. And I loved what Nintendo did with the Wind Waker re-release on Wii U. I just think that these Zelda games work perfectly for that console because you have a secondary screen, right? So you can view your map and access your inventory that way. It just seems like it's tailor-made for it. And of course, I think they were sort of disappointed with sales beforehand uh, as a launch title on the Wii. So they're looking to bank off of that. And of course, what better way to do that than packaging a new Amiibo along with it? So yeah, I I think this was a bombshell because... Nobody was really expecting it, so. And speaking of Zelda games, we also have Hyrule Warriors Legends. This is, of course, the 3DS re-release of the existing game on Wii U. That's coming out March 25th of next year, and it's going to include new characters like Skull Kid from Majora's Mask, the King of the Red Lions from Wind Waker, and Linkle, a a female version of Link. Yeah, that character looks straight out of, uh, you know, internet fan service. Uh, It looks great. Uh, I hope that game doesn't have any performance issues on the 3DS. It had some uh, notable frame rate issues on the Wii U version. Uh, But I like that game as a Dynasty Warriors game, and I like that game as a Zelda game. Uh, It's a lot of fun to play, and I highly encourage you, if you like either franchise, to check it out. Yeah, this seems like the definitive edition because it includes all new characters and all the DLC from the Wii U version. But I'm curious to see graphically, performance-wise, you know, what's going to be compromised in that effort. The Wii U version, like you said, with like it's Dynasty Warrior style, you see a lot of enemies on screen. You're constantly battling, running around an open world. And I want to see how the 3DS really handles it. I'm very curious about that one. I'm also very curious about Pokemon Picross because I love Picross games. Unfortunately, it's kind of a bummer. It's a free-to-play game on 3DS. And we're expecting it in early December of this year. 
But you know, Nintendo has been really experimenting with the free-to-play thing, and I think with Pokemon, uh, a franchise that they really do care about and here near, hold near and dear to their heart, I think they're going to do the right thing with Pokemon and maybe make the tran- free-to-play microtransactions not be so onerous. And I know Picross is a, a kind of game that you really like, Taylor. Yeah, absolutely. I love, and it, it's great on handhelds because I've played Picross 3D, Mario's Picross back in the Game Boy days. I love that puzzle style game. I even play it on uh, on my Android phone as well. So it, it's just very addicting to me. I could see me getting really into this. Um, and I hope it's not too easy because, of course, they are branding it with Pokemon stuff. But uh, yeah, I'll check that out. Early December is when that's coming out. And more Pokemon news. Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow, the originals, are being re-released on the 3DS eShop on February 27th of 2016. This time around, though, instead of a link cable, you can trade with other people via local wireless. You know, I think this re-release is mostly to placate people who really enjoyed Pokemon when it was only 151 Pokemon. Uh, I I really think this is a good move by Nintendo. I'm surprised that they haven't done it already. But I'm kind of curious who will replay those games because those games moving forward aren't going to have a lot of those features and... Uh, moving old Pokemon from red, blue, and yellow all the way up to the current generations is going to be next to impossible. Uh, those games were a lot of fun back in the day. I was addicted to them myself, and uh, it'll be fun to revisit them. But they've already done remakes of uh, red and blue in fire red and leaf green back on the Game Boy Advance. So this is a re-release of a re-release of a re-release. Yes, but of course they're going to make money off of it because the opportunity cost for porting an old Game Boy game over to uh, a downloadable title on the 3DS eShop. I'm sure Nintendo is looking at that and saying, well, this is going to make us money. Of course, this seems like common sense. And like you, I'm very surprised it took them this long to do it. I think most kids are going to see this and be very disappointed with screenshots and gameplay videos because they're going to be like, I- I've played you know, Pokemon X and Y. Those are the games they first started off with that are, that are 3D, that are uh, color-rich, feature-rich. I have a ton more Pokemon than original Gen 1. So, yeah, it's really not catering to that crowd. It's really they're banking off the nostalgia factor, I'm sure, for people who want to revisit that game who played it back when they were kids. I hope this news means that we're getting another remake of that Pokemon trading card game. That was fantastic back in that era. yes. And the, uh, the iPhone apps and website mobile versions of their current Pokemon trading card game have just been awful. And uh, I don't even care if they do microtransactions with that. I I hope that they eventually revisit that idea. Let's move on to other announcements, including Super Mario Maker. More news for that. Now, Nintendo is introducing a new level browser website. This isn't in-game, a little disappointing, but in December, you're going to be able to see this level portal, which they kind of described as having more robust search options for levels, including being able to sort by level tags, which is something that, personally, I think you and I thought it should have had from the start. I agree, and I think this will make immediately the, the levels way more searchable, and you can be able to skip a lot of the the crappier levels you don't want to see the water levels uh the, the auto scroll levels uh i i think mario super mario maker needed this feature from the start but i'm glad nintendo is finally getting around to implementing it this is the thing that that game needed but isn't it inconvenient yes but if you have a tablet or a phone if you have access to those things i i think that will make the super mario maker experience a little more enriched yeah i can't wait to see what it's like but uh introducing a new browser instead of in game i don't know why they just didn't do it in game it seems it seems like that would be easy to implement but oh well 
And this was probably the biggest announcement. And surprisingly, it doesn't have to do with a, a brand new game. But just Twitter blew up about this news. Cloud Strife from Final Fantasy VII and other Final Fantasy games at this point now announced as a new fighter in Super Smash Bros. for Wii U and 3DS. Yeah, I'm not sure where this uh, announcement really came from. I don't think Cloud Strife was high on the list as far as the Smash Ballot was concerned for people interested in voting on who could be inserted as a new DLC character. But I'm so excited uh, for Cloud Strife as a, as a new DLC character for this game. Uh, Cloud is one of my favorite heroes in, in all video games, and Final Fantasy VII is definitely one of my favorite video games of all time. But I have to say that this is super interesting news because basically Final Fantasy VII came around at a time when Nintendo was trying to uh, court Sony to, to make a console with them, and then that whole deal busted wide open and uh, eventually made the PS1 uh, such a smash success that game. And uh, for, for it to come around again and for Cloud to, to be in a Nintendo game is really, really super interesting from a business perspective. Uh, I don't know who's still playing Smash, but I, I think this is something that will definitely get me back into it. I'll tell you who's playing Smash. A lot of people are still playing Smash, uh, especially competitively, of course. You know, it, it's funny that you said that about Cloud specifically, because even if you look back when Sonic was introduced into the lineup, if you were to go back, you know, 10, 20 years ago and say, oh, Sonic and Mario are going to start appearing in games together, I'd say you're crazy. Um, and now we're seeing uh, licensed characters that are now being introduced in, in, in crossover games. Even Ryu as DLC previously um, from Capcom. I, I, I kind of love this. I, I really do, because it, it's interesting to see Nintendo really uh, open up its doors and uh, crossover stuff is always fascinating to me. And given the context of, you know, Sony and Nintendo and their business relationship and now allowing um, Cloud, it, it really, it's not a Sony character. It's a Square Enix character, of course. Um, but I think this is a huge, huge fan service and brings a lot of brand new attention back to the game. And of course, this is going to result in more and more sales for those folks who were fans of the Final Fantasy franchise, for sure. Okay, this wasn't really an announcement, but more of a confirmed date. Star Fox Zero for Wii U is now coming on April 22nd of 2016. I'm super worried about that game. The initial impressions have been not that great. And I've really wanted Star Fox to come back in a big way. I really enjoyed the original game and Star Fox 64. And all the rest of the stuff that's come after that has been uh, middling to pretty terrible. And uh, I don't know, that Chicken Walker thing is still weirding me out. I'm still having nightmares about that. Uh, we'll see when it comes out this coming year. Well, from the gameplay footage that I've seen, even from E3, what do you think about those motion controls? You know, I think a lot of people disabled them in Splatoon. Uh, or got or got used to them. Uh, I'm not sure which, but it's something that Nintendo's really trying to experiment with their with their platform and trying to make the touchscreen make sense. And with a game like Star Fox, where you're you're piloting a, a spaceship, it's basically an air combat game. I don't know that it's really going to make a whole lot of sense to be using the touchscreen as a cockpit view and using the TV as more of a third-person view. Uh, you need a lot of uh, depth perception in those kinds of games, particularly when you're fighting bosses or when you're fighting Star Wolf, for example, and uh, you really you need to do U-turns and turning around. And I just feel like if you're looking at two different screens at once, you're going to experience a lot of vertigo, and that's not going to be a great experience. Well, plus it requires a lot of precision, and with these motion controls... It's very difficult, especially if you're used to looking around with a second stick. Um, yeah, Star Fox, this one, 
I hope it does well for the sake of the that series, but it has a lot to live up to. Let's put it that way for sure. All right, and more news. Fire Emblem Fates, Birthright, Conquest, Revelation, all bundled together for 80 bucks. Ryan, what does that mean? Explain that. So this is a, a, the main game is Fire Emblem Fates, and there are two separate games, right? Birthright and Conquest. The same story played from two different perspectives, so two different campaigns. Those are two separate 3DS games you can buy individually for $40. And Revelation is a $20 uh, DLC add-on that... Uh, basically tells a story from yet another third perspective that won't tie everything all together. It's kind of an interesting strategy for Fire Emblem, and uh, you can buy the whole package together, as you said, for $80. Uh, I'm curious to see what this story will be like. I really like the Fire Emblem games, but they're really kind of long in the teeth, and I don't think anybody ever really finishes them. Uh, I love tactical strategy games, particularly on the 3DS um, you know, we've been waiting for a long time for a game like Advance Wars to come back around. And uh, in the meantime, we have Fire Emblem to fill its shoes. And it's filled it very well. Awakening was a really great game. And I think people are really excited for this release. But I don't think people are excited basically playing the same game one, two, three times now. Right. But if it's going to end up to be, you know, let's say a, a 60 to 100 hour game with all this content for 80 bucks, it seems like a pretty good value. I think... Uh, handhelds are notorious for not having long games. You know, you can't enjoy them for long. They're meant to be short experiences. And it's no Advance Wars. And so badly, I I want it so much. But I'll settle for like a grid-based tactical game like Fire Emblem Fates. It's definitely different. You know, it's it's not so much like a, a, a wartime strategy as it is more of an RPG. And it's very punishing. And I'm a uh, a big fan of the series. Can't wait to check that out eventually. And speaking of punishing games, let's talk about Mega Man. Now we have the Mega Man Legacy Collection, which is also bundled with a golden Mega Man Amiibo coming out for the Wii U 3DS on February 23rd of next year. So this game is a a package of Mega Man 1 through 7, all seven games. Um, This collection already came out on Xbox One, PC, and PS4 earlier this year. And uh, it's finally coming out to to Wii U and 3DS, you know, the natural home for uh, Mega Man games. All those games originally came out on Nintendo platforms. And it's interesting because I have the collection on the PC, and this is not so much an emulation uh, where they they clean everything up and it's an HD re-release. They basically include all of the uh, glitches and technical hitching that was part of the original experience of the Mega Man games on the NES. Oh, fascinating! And, and I think that's a really interesting choice, and uh, it's something that that kind of uh, bucks the trend of nostalgia being uh, just something that you remember and you remember it being really great. And it reminds you that these games were really really difficult. And also uh, not very technically uh, high performing, but <clears throat> it stands to reason the Mega Man games, particularly one through seven, are all very excellent games. I highly recommend uh, Mega Man Two. That's probably the highlight of the series. And uh, you and I spent a lot of time with Mega Man Six, yes. uh, which is which is the game which they introduce. Uh, they, it's not the first game with Rush in it, but it is the game where they introduce Rush as kind of an accessory. Uh, you can use him as like power armor and a jetpack in that game. And, uh, yeah, if, if you want a really interesting look at the Mega Man franchise as a whole, I definitely recommend picking up this Legacy Collection. Well, what else does it have? Does it have, like, concept art or other bonus content than just the games itself? It definitely does. It has concept art. It has um, some soundtracks and BGM, uh, background music and sound effects. 
and a lot of neat stuff that's in that package. Uh, just don't expect from a gameplay perspective uh, something completely new and shiny. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. And let's say, last but not least, a confirmed game, Mario & Luigi Paper Jam, uh, now has a date, January 22nd of 2016 for 3DS. This is a crossover of two different Mario properties, the Paper Mario universe and the Mario & Luigi series on handhelds. You know, it's funny. I'm a, exactly in, uh, excited Luigi for one half of that. The Mario & Luigi games on Game Boy Advance have been fantastic, extremely funny, extremely long, interesting RPGs that really play with the Mario & Luigi formula. And uh, the Paper Mario series is something that I'm not as excited for uh, in this game. I really enjoyed the first two Paper Mario games, uh, the first one coming out on N64 and the second one coming out on the GameCube. But then after that, Paper Mario hasn't really been the same. Uh, that that 3DS game, Paper Mario Sticker Star, was just terrible, terrible game. And uh, I'm really interested to see uh, what they'll do with this formula. I think th from trailers, it looks really super exciting. And uh, yeah, I'm, I just want to know what that art style plays like. It, it just looks really, really great. Well, it does, from what I've seen in the gameplay footage, have a lot of similarities to Paper Mario Sticker Star, which I personally hated. I absolutely hated what they did with that. Um, you know, as you're going along and you're collecting these stickers that, that allow you to perform certain abilities in battle, and you always felt limited in what you could do in that game. And for an RPG, it almost felt like it was free to play without having the pay element, right? It, it, it was, it was bizarre. And I've seen gameplay footage of this new one, Mario and Luigi paper jam. And while it has some aspects of that, it's, it seems more like a Mario and Luigi game where it's uh puzzle platforming out in the, out in the world. And in battle, it's more the battle style of those Mario and Luigi games. So it's a bit of a compromise, uh, but I will definitely check it out for sure because Mario and Luigi has always been great. And you mentioned the games on Game Boy Advance. I've actually enjoyed the ones on DS and uh, 3DS even more. So looking forward to that. And they teased this right at the very end for Nintendo Direct. The new Zelda game for 2016. That's all we know at this point. Right. And they released uh, they've released very little about this game. They've said in the past, you know, if you if you look out in Hyrule and you look at a tower, you can actually go to it where in past Zelda games, it would have been just part of the skybox or uh, something in the background. Uh, we really need more news about this game to really speculate on it. The The rumor is that this game may not be it may be a cross gen game uh, between Wii U and the NX, but we don't really have a lot of details on that. And it seems like Nintendo's playing their cards uh, really close to the chest. Right. The only news we've really heard is the fact, like you mentioned, where you can see a tower, you can go to it, and the fact that it keeps getting delayed. That's all we know. They didn't want to show anything at E3. Uh, so all we have now are GIFs of some random footage from the game that I'm sure is prototype material. All right, finally over with all that Nintendo Direct news, let's move on to this week's new releases. I love new releases. And to start off, Star Wars Battlefront for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Don't get confused, this is a reboot. Yes, and uh, this is this is coming off the very exciting news from the beta. Did you play this beta, Taylor? No, I didn't. I've seen a lot of footage of this, even at E3. It just looks absolutely gorgeous to me. It's like, you know, if you took Battlefield and introduced the classic Star Wars Battlefront elements into it in the characters. You know, you have everything from, you know, running around as a stormtrooper or as a Jedi, 
uh, to unlocking in the game, uh, depending on your score streaks, the ability to play as Vader or Han Solo or Luke Skywalker. Uh, you're playing on awesome, awesome settings like Planet Hoth. Um, it, it looks amazing. Ve- vehicular combat, like in TIE Fighters and in uh, AT-AT Walkers, Snow Speeders. It looks really stunning. I cannot wait to check it out. Yeah, all the commercials have really been playing on the nostalgia for Star Wars. Um, you know, plus that new movie is coming out in uh, about less than a month, and people are really excited for that too. And this is playing a little bit with that. I'm a little curious from a gameplay perspective how buggy it will be. The Battlefield games, Battlefield 3 and Battlefield 4 on launch, uh, you know, Star Wars Battlefront is being developed by DICE, the same people who made uh, the Battlefield games. And those games are always very uh, hitchy, to, to say the least. And, uh, you know, it's it, Star Wars is always a great, great background for any kind of game. And uh, the gameplay footage that's come out of some of this stuff and what I've played of it has been super fun. But I'm just curious how long the legs are and uh, how buggy it will be when the game gets launched uh, this week. Well, what didn't you like about the beta? Uh, You know, I would say plenty on the Planet Hoth level. It was a little hard to beat the Imperials if you were playing as the Rebels. And, uh, you know, that was that was super frustrating. That's kind of accurate to the movies. But as a game from a gameplay perspective, that's really not that fun. If it seems like it's this overwhelming force that you can't overcome. Uh, The other thing I'll say is that, uh, you know, the Battle of Endor level is also there. Uh, That will be exciting. They're planning on putting a lot of the stuff behind the season pass. So I think if you want a full package for Star Wars Battlefront, you'll probably have to go in on that. But for a squad based shooter, um, it looks super fun, uh, certainly more fun than uh, the new Call of Duty, which we'll talk about later. But uh, I, I think this game is going to be super huge for EA and for DICE. Well, EA and DICE don't have a really good track record of uh, online matchmaking. I think this game is going to get a ton of criticism right away if it does not go smoothly. We know what happens to to really treasured series like Halo when Master Chief Collection doesn't work online period and if we're seeing these kinds of issues like battlefield has experienced before if star wars battlefront is just as bad that is a huge 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 bummer okay and if you aren't tired of hearing about nintendo stuff yet bear with us we've got mario tennis ultra smash for wii u this week Oh boy, the news coming from this one is not very encouraging. Uh, You know, the Mario Tennis games (coughs) were always the ones that I preferred over uh, the Mario sports games. Uh, You know, the baseball game, the soccer game, um, more traditionally Mario Golf. And, uh, you know, based based on the last Mario Golf game on the 3DS, which, uh, to be honest with you, I didn't enjoy that much, this seems to be in that same vein, being developed by Camelot, which did in fairness, developed the old games that were really uh, spectacular. Uh, Not a lot of encouraging news about Mario Tennis Ultra Smash. Yeah, this is going to be kind of forgettable. I think the one that was on GameCube and Wii was the height of the the series. Um, And the motion controls actually lent itself well, uh, really building upon the success of the Wii Sports Tennis mini game. This one, you got to skip it. I I, I don't see what new things they're doing beyond uh, Amiibo integration for this game. Who cares about unlocking characters through through Amiibo? I, I don't know. I, I say skip it. But I know, Ryan, you're not going to skip this one because you love this stuff. Pokemon Super Mystery Dungeon coming out November 20th this week. You're going to be able to play as one of 20 Pokemon, meet over 700 plus. Wow, there's really that many now. 
Wow. Okay. Uh, and this is the latest edition of this long-running series. Ryan, I know you're a huge fan. Yes, I am. The uh, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon games have always been super fascinating to me. Uh, in the first one, you basically took a personality test, and it turned you into one of the Pokemon. Uh, I played as Machop, which is certainly not one of my favorite Pokemon, but I, I rolled with it, and it was a really fun experience. These games are basically dungeon crawlers. Um, you you go around in teams of three or four, and uh, you meet you meet other Pokemon. You fight them. Sometimes they become your friends, and you can add them to your team. You can evolve them, and uh, they're really really for me uh, great RPG games. But the last one that came out on 3DS was not that fun. It was way too easy, and there was way too many dialogue boxes. It it started very slowly uh, to get past the tutorial. It was about twenty hours. And uh, that really, really discouraged me from playing the rest of the game. In fact, I traded it in after that experience. It just wasn't that fun. Um, so I'm, I'm hopefully that this uh, this game, Pokemon Super Mystery Dungeon, will be more in the style of the older games. Well, what's the battling like? Is it just like you know what you expect from a normal Pokemon game, or is it more like that grid-based, roguelike, you know, sort of you know take your turn, turn-based, you know, you know, hack and slash sort of style game? It's more more turn based. Um, you know, they they incorporate the Pokemon moves that you're used to. You know, like tackle and Razor Leaf and Bubble. Um, but those are really just kind of special moves. It's more of a turn based game than even the traditional Pokemon series is. I don't know. I just think I think that game is is super fun, and I'm really looking forward to what this game has to offer. All right, this game kind of really came out of left field. Hard West, which is on PC. It was originally due out earlier this month on November 4th, but the developer actually delayed it for, I think, really uh, a good reason. Um, now coming out this week. Hard West, it's sort of, if I can describe it to you, it's XCOM-ish with a supernatural Western theme to it. So, Ryan, I know you're a huge fan of XCOM, but also, let me let me sell it to you on this. The soundtrack is from the same composer as the Witcher series. Awesome. And I want to read you the statement from the developer on this because I think it's really poignant. And I don't think a lot of developers really come out and uh, speak the truth behind uh, the, the reason behind their delays. And if more people did this, I think it would go towards a long way to, to, to gaining the support of players who are are upset about delays so let me read it to you um this is a statement from creative forge games on their steam game page it says the thing is since we announced the release date we found some points where the game experience could really be improved a lot of that insight came from your feedback from streamers and media posting their gameplay videos we could easily patch all the little improvements and we're that we're making in post-launch but in the end we decided to push the launch back a little bit and release hard west in the best shape possible with all the things included so in perspective, when you look at the crazy time for really huge blockbuster releases and those that don't take the time to work out the bugs and then they have day one patches and really frustrating for people who spend the money uh, to, to buy a working game. This, to me, I think I, I have to commend them on this. So for sure. Uh, you know, I haven't heard of this game, and I, to be honest, I think you had me at XCOM. Uh, I'm super, I'm super like Wild West games. I was super into Red Dead Redemption, and uh, I really, really liked XCOM: Enemy Unknown. And uh, I think I'm going to be for this game on day one, and I'll give you my impressions as soon as I play it. It, I, I could not be more excited based on what you've just told me. Yeah, so check it out on their Steam page. I, I got really excited just looking at their their gameplay videos for it. Uh, it seems like a really, really cool concept for sure. Okay, let's go on to what we're both playing this week. 
So we've talked about this a lot on the show recently. I know you're sick and tired of it, Ryan, but let's talk about Fallout 4, which we're both playing. I'm playing it on PS4. You're playing it on PC, correct? Correct. And what do you think about, about it so far? How many hours have you put into it? I've put about uh, 18 hours into the game. I've uh, moved the story fairly far along, so we won't we won't get into uh, story spoilers here. But um, I think this game is a little more than just Fallout 3 reskinned. Uh, I think in the first two hours, it kind of does this. Uh, do you remember this from Fallout? Do you remember this from Fallout? Do you remember this from Fallout? Um, you know, you, they they, they give do a you, lot of callbacks for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, put you in a vault. Uh, you get out of the vault. They give you uh, the robot. They give you the the dog. They give you the power armor. They You see you fight a death claw in the first two hours, which is typically tends to be this, uh, you know, end end level enemy. And uh you know, I I'm gonna be honest with you. I really don't like Boston as much of a backdrop as I did uh, DC when uh, they did that for the Capital Wasteland in Fallout Three. But I will say that I'm having a really really great time with this game. Um, I think the crafting system is something that Fallout badly needed. I'm glad that they took out a lot of the durability stuff, uh, but they did keep in the a weight system that a lot of these Bethesda games uh, have. If you hold on to too many items in your inventory, you'll be uh, weighed down and you won't be able to fast travel or run. And uh, I don't know, on the PC, I'm having no performance issues. The game looks really, really great. And, uh, you know, very, very few bugs. Uh, I have this bug, and I'm not sure if, if you'll, you can speak to this, Taylor, but I have this bug where if I'm talking to somebody and it cut, the camera kind of zooms out to go to a third person perspective. And sometimes it'll, the audio won't match up with the person that's showing me. Um, but other than that, I'm having a really great time with the PC version of this game. Yeah, the uh, on PS4, I'm not noticing any really performance issues. I think the only bug I've really experienced, and I'm not sure if it's a bug more than a uh, performance limitation, is if I'm in dialogue with somebody and I can tell they're about to give me a quest, um, they'll actually both characters will stop talking. There's no dialogue options available. And what it takes maybe three to four seconds for it to load the next bit of of conversation. So I thought that was super weird, but I haven't experienced anything really game breaking or, or frame rate issues, any hitching like that. It's really been a smooth experience for me. I, I, I have to agree with you that uh, there are callbacks for fallout three and, uh, and uh, new Vegas for sure in there. Um, however, Boston for me is not, I think it's not a setting that most people are familiar with. So to me, it's like, I'm, going into like a brand new environment, exploring a wasteland that uh, I really don't know what to expect much from. You're going to cities like Lexington and Concord, and eventually you get to uh, the Fenway Park, which is renamed Diamond City in in this game. Um, and I, I'm really enjoying it. And I also love the difficulty. They've ramped it up significantly, in my opinion. You know, you don't feel overpowered right away. You're constantly encountering so many raiders in dungeons, even out in the open wasteland, you'll run into spots on the map that you feel like you want to explore, but you may have to hold off on. Like the one specific area, um, I remember it's sort of like a like a food reserve and it's just protected by super mutants. And I could just tell, uh, walking right by it, even with a companion, I was just smoked right away. So quick saving is very easy and I highly encourage anyone who tries this game to get a quick save so often in this game 
What difficulty are you playing on? I'm playing it on normal, but I feel like it's a good normal. You know, I don't feel like I'm coasting through it. And I don't feel like it's ultra punishing. Like every time I die, it's because of my own fault, right? You know, I'm not pulling out the right weapon in the right, uh, you know, I'm not going into vats right away, stuff like that. And also a huge, huge change to vats is that the game does not pause. You know, enemies are still attacking and moving at you. Uh, as you're aiming. So that is a huge, huge uh, game changer for me in Fallout because I felt like you could cheese the system a little bit in previous games for sure. This one, not so much. Um, So I'm a huge fan so far, but I've only played about four hours worth in it. Haven't really progressed through the main storyline yet, but I definitely recommend it for sure. I, I would, I'm playing on the harder difficulty setting and I like my games harder these days and it's certainly fairly challenging. I don't know how many, uh, of these kinds of enemies you've encountered, but, uh, sometimes, uh, mobs of enemies will spawn and they'll come with like a legendary version of like the same, the same enemy. So for example, you might run into, uh, like a legendary version of a rad roach or a feral ghoul or something like that. And they're typically a lot harder, but they also drop better loot, uh, unique loot. And, uh, in, in the hard difficulty, those those mobs uh, spawn a lot more often. So I'm constantly uh, being challenged to try out new weapons and try out a lot of my perks. I will say the uh, a big negative for me has been the uh, building a settlement part of the experience. Uh, it all feels kind of like, well, okay, this is in here, but what do I do with this? Yeah, sort of uh, tacked on, right? Right. It feels very tacked on. To my understanding, uh, Bethesda put this in because there were a lot of uh, these kinds of experiences in the mod community for Fallout 3. But it kind of feels like, well, why am I building up a settlement and attracting people to to live in this place? Um, you know, I under, you know, I, it's great that I can have all of my stuff in one place, but like, why? Why? <laughs> yeah, they don't do a good job of explaining why you're doing that. They explain how to do it. Um, but why do I need to defend a settlement? Like, do I care that these NPCs are dying off? Like any of the companions that I care about are with me or they're they're They can't die permanently because they're quest givers. So I agree with you. It sort of seems tacked on and unnecessary. I don't get the purpose. There's not much benefit to it, but the crafting itself where you're collecting, you know, junk out in the wasteland and salvaging stuff for parts, I think is a great addition, you know, upgrading your weapons, your armor, whatnot. It, I think that is awesome. And let me ask you, Ryan, have you tried out the Pip-Boy Companion app, like on an iPad or something? I have, and I, and for me, it's really great because uh, on my iPad, I can really use it to kind of scope out the world map. And it's been working really, really well for me. Uh, but other than that, it's not super useful because uh, when you when you go into a menu or you look at an item in the main game, uh, the Companion app doesn't work. It says, like, you know, view mode or whatever, and uh, you, then you can't really use it, which I think really defeats the purpose of having a second screen experience like that. Yeah, I agree. It's only useful for the map. Um, so you're able to scroll through and toggle between like the local map and the world map and fast travel. It's very great for that. But it also you can't pause, like you said, um, while you're using it. Whereas in game, if you access the Pip-Boy, you know, it does pause your game. So you're, you, you're given time to manage your inventory, not having to worry about people attacking you out there. So, but it's just interesting to me because I, this is actually the first game that I thought a companion app was very worthwhile. And having that second screen is very helpful, especially as you're exploring, you know, a dungeon and you're not sure where to go next. It's very confusing uh, a lot of times in these Fallout games, um, where to scope out next. I think it's super helpful in that aspect. 
All right, let's also talk about Call of Duty Black Ops 3. Both of us have been playing it on PS4. Ryan, give me your first impression of that game. That game is really, really fun to play. I don't think it's better than last year of yet last year's Call of Duty game. Uh, for one thing, you're a lot less mobile. Um, you're basically you can wall run and you can jump, but you don't really have as many um, you know strafing and double jumping abilities as you did in Advanced Warfare. But I will say that I'm having a better time with the multiplayer. Uh, you know, you you basically pick a character and uh, the, one of two character abilities. And uh, as you kill people and get killed and do things in the multiplayer, you kind of build up a super meter and that kind of gives you a new ability. So the characters I picked, uh, you know, I pop her super and I basically get to ping the map and see where everybody is for about two seconds. Other ones include like an area of effect attack or uh, going invisible or the most interesting one, which is you can actually rewind time three seconds and go back so that you don't get shot or uh, make a mistake that you were doing. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun with the game, particularly um, in the campaign. Uh, the campaign is super interesting. It features uh, Christopher Maloney from the Law & Order series. And uh, I think the story for me is going in some interesting play places. I haven't finished it yet. Uh, I don't know that many people will actually experience the single-player campaign, or for that matter, the zombies uh, co-op mode, uh, which they also did a weird thing where it's basically like a 50s detective novel and you're and you're playing as characters... Uh, from that that era. Uh, but if you're just going to stick to the multiplayer, I think you're going to have a blast with Call of Duty Black Ops 3. The additions that they made to this game, I don't feel like make it better in the series. In fact, I think it detracts from what made Advanced Warfare so great. The movement is really bothering me. Uh, going from Advanced Warfare, where you're you know strafing super quickly, you're, you're dodging in midair, and now you're playing a game that feels a lot more like Titanfall, but not as smooth and fluid. Titanfall did a great job, I think, with the wall running aspects and leaping through the air. Um, Call of Duty, it just feels clunky. The maps are not designed in a way to um, encourage the use of wall runs, uh, which is really the only new uh, movement style uh, in this game. So I, I, I don't like it at all. But And the specialists, I think they're trying to encourage like an esports scene where you're picking a specific character and sticking with them. Of course, you can unlock other specialists uh, as you level up. Um, but I I don't really care for them. The abilities don't seem very balanced. I think there is a clear, clear choice when it comes to which abilities and which weapons are, are the most useful. Specifically, the weapons uh, that these specialists have. The explosive ones are easily the best ones, for sure. So, uh, yeah, and, and it sort of seems like, you know, they're, they're, they're going from the esports and MOBA route where they want you to, to, to play as a specific character. I, I, I don't know. I, I, here's one thing I will say positive about the game. The campaign is great because I love the online co-op. I think they did that really well. You don't feel hamstrung if you're paired with bad people because, um, you know, much like Halo, it will spawn you at next at the next checkpoint. So, uh, and the abilities in that game, I think, are are really, really good in the campaign. I'm talking about the campaign, not the multiplayer here. So, I'm really enjoying the campaign so far, for sure. But the multiplayer, for me, it's a miss. It's, it's a step up from Ghosts, but definitely not as good as the Modern Warfare games, for sure. 
Okay, we ran way over with our past segment, so we're not going to get into the bonus stage. So, we're ending the show right now. That's it. If you liked and or hated us, please let us know. Subscribe and review us on iTunes and Stitcher. Let us know what you think. We really want to hear back from you guys. All of our episodes can also be heard on our site, which is 1pvs2p.com. You can also subscribe through RSS by clicking on our site's sidebar button. That really helps us out. Uh, All of our sources are also posted at the link in the show notes. And you can follow us on Twitter at 1pvs2p underscore podcast or like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash 1pvs2p. We want to thank Phonetic Hero for the use of the songs for our show. They're part of the compilation project Chiptune Equals Wind. We cannot wait for you guys to hear about next week's episode, so stay tuned and thanks for listening. Not bad. Not bad at all.